Good morning. We're looking at uh, the tenth chapter of Ezekiel. And what bothered me about this chapter is how the glory of the Lord moved out of the temple into the east side of the of the Golden Gate and disappeared over the Mount of of Gethsemane on the top going to Bethany. The last time the glory of the Lord is seen, according to Ezekiel, it's on top of the mountain moving toward Bethany. Now, what, what you describe here is that the glory of the Lord can be seen. The glory of the Lord communicates to those people that are uh, uh, Ezekiel is talking about. Ezekiel sees it disappearing. And so chapter 10 begins that the glory of the Lord left the temple. And the word that uh, caused my attention is retired unwillingly. Retired unwillingly. And so, as we begin to teach yesterday, we begin to move into phases. The first phase was it moved completely. It moved completely out of, uh, out of the view of the prophet into an area that uh, indicated space and movement. For instance, it came out out of the cherub because the glory of the Lord is always with the cherubs. So I want you to visualize the beauty, the glory, the majesty of the glory of the Lord coming out of, a, of an angel. It says he came, went up from the cherub. And then it says, And he stood over the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with smoke. And yesterday I talked to you that, that the glory of the Lord is trying to communicate with people like you and I, from the cherubs to the threshold, becoming a cloud. Just like Moses, Mount, Mount Sinai, and then coming down to the tabernacle of Moses. And this movement toward us. Because you see, the glory of the Lord is not anything that can be applicable to Christian living unless we be able to understand it, partake of it, and serve it. And that's one of the major problems in being a Christian today is that we need to understand that what the Lord is doing instead of what we want to do. And it's a struggle. Because if the Lord is doing something, our job is to find out what He is doing to get behind Him instead of trying to do what we want to do. And, and that makes me mad as anything else when I find myself totally out of the will of God because I just didn't see it. And so, for instance, let me give you an example. We've been praying for our trip to go to Peru in September. We don't have that many people going, and so we need to we need to get people involved. And so, we have a brochure that we're going to be printing that goes to Turkey. But as people approach the table, there's an option to go to Peru. In other words, God has to move in order for the trip to take place. And so, Cindy, uh, 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 Cindy Walker in the office met a pastor from an area far away, Timbuktu, whatever that was. Timote. And the t witness and the testimony of this man convicted Cindy that, that the move of God is in that eight hour trip away from us. Well, in terms of ministry, 
it's really not proper for us to make a decision to get into a bus for eight hours because it doesn't sound right, it's too long hours, it's too difficult, it's going to hurt. And that's the mistake that we can do when we don't realize that God is leading because something in that man called us uh, as a pastor. He was in the conference at sick when we came, went to Cusco this last year. And now he's inviting us to go to his church, which is in revival. So what do you do? Go to Lima First Methodist Church. Lima Methodist Church. Go to the largest district. Do an event that costs $20,000. No, we go to that little Timbuktu place where nobody wants to go eight hours away. And so that is what I'm trying to teach you today. That in terms of running a ministry, you've got to be carefully listening to what God wants to do instead of what you think is right or wrong. And this is my struggle. Daily my struggle. Because I, I, I don't want to make a mistake about that. So it comes from the cherub to the threshold or the front door. And then the house was filled with the cloth. And the court was full of the brightness of the Lord, which is where the women and men uh, stood outside of the temple, the courts of the temple. The next thing that happens, uh, and I want to look at uh, at verse 9, chapter 10. And when I looked, behold, the four wheels of the cherubs, one wheel by one cherub, another wheel by another cherub, meaning each, each cherub, had a wheel in front of him full of ice. Now, don't get discouraged because you don't know what that means. And don't try to make up what it is that is not. Simply accept that the eyes in here are indication of direction of what to do. And so I've been telling you the direction in ministry is a pain in the neck. Everybody wants to say something. But if we don't think together as a ministry or as a church, you don't know where you're going. And these are days in which the local church, the Methodist local church throughout the state of Georgia is looking for direction as to what to do about the will of God. It's all everywhere. So as a ministry in evangelism that is uh, disliked, hate, unappreciated by some, because I don't please many people, they're looking for direction. And so, God is saying that as my wheels, my eyes move forward, you follow it. That's all I can get out of that. And then it says, and as for their appearances, they forehead one likeness. They forehead one likeness. As if a wheel had been in the midst of a wheel. A wheel in the midst of a wheel simulates constant activity. Referring to direction and purpose and activity. It simply says that in the throne of God, with the cherubs and with the eyes and the wheels, there is a, a, a purpose to create direction and purpose. And, get the, and so when we go into RBM this morning and we look to those who work here or are part of this ministry, there's so much stuff to do. We're just overwhelmed by what's in front of us. And of course... It simply means that that's the way it is when God is about to move. There is activity, there's purpose, there's cause, there's this and that. And, and when they went, they went upon their four sides. And this is verse, uh, verse 11. 
and it refers to the feet of the cherubs. It says, when they went, they they went upon their four sides. Now, there are four cherubs against the throne of God. They're connected by the wings. And so as they went, the four sides move together in a parallel order and balance. One, two, three, four. Okay? They moved in a parallel order. They don't do this and do this and do this. What does it mean? It means that we need to think together. We've got to be careful what we say about what the Lord wants to do through us. To make sure that we do not miss the direction that the cherubs are going. As the cherubs go, so does us. The Lord is simply saying, we'll make sure, the wheel, by the way, the feet don't make direction. God makes the direction. I don't know why the feet then go there without any direction. But the only thing I can get out of it is that the feet of man has no ability to follow the will of God, except God directs, God leads. A lot of people are making decisions about life. And if you make a decision that God is not in it, you're going to be defeated. And nothing more saddest, nothing more sad, morbid, that when you make a decision, you make a decision based on the opinion of everybody else. But God has nothing to do with it. And so it says, they turn not as they went. They turned not as they went. That, that's the King James Version. They turned not as they went. Meaning it wasn't, there was no turn to get to where. It moved in straight line and it would not twist it and cause confusion. But to the place where the, the head looked, they followed it. So if you look to the cherubs, okay, four heads. And the four heads move together. One, two, three, four. And it moves. As they moved, as the heads look. What is the head? Why the head is important here is because the head is looking directly to the will of God. The Holy Spirit on those cherubs is all over them. Is the power. They're the throne of God. They're behind in front on the side of the throne of God. They're the closest thing to God. That is why the Ark of the Covenant have two cherubs on top of them. You know, that's got to be impressive. And so, uh, so whether they, the head looked, they followed it. They turned not as they went. Wheels normally turn, but these do not. They turn not as they went, but to the place where the head looked, they followed. It refers to the chief. The principal will, the will of God, the, the, the direction, the first cherub on that line. Now, all of this simply says to me and you that direction in ministry, direction in purpose is critically important. And when I talk to the people that are part of RBM in the office, I've been trying to tell them that when, when we miss it, we end up somewhere else. It's not what, what you like, what you do, is that there's a struggle to really do the right thing. Follow what the Lord is doing, not what we're doing. So, the next movement comes up on verse 15. And it says, And the cherubs were lifted up. 
This is the living creatures that I saw by the river of Shebar. The, the, the cherubs were lifted up. Meaning that as they come out of the court. Outside of the, south, of the north of the temple. And he's referring to the golden gate. The golden gate sitting on the east. Okay, it's east and west. North and south. The south is not it. The north is where they're supposed to go. But they come out of the place where they were in the temple. Out of the, the eastern gate. As, as, as it is important. Because Jesus will come through the eastern gate to take hold of Jerusalem. And so, the chariots were lifted up. And when the chariots went, the wheels went by them. So the wheels are those eyes on the wheels. Imagine a wheel with eyes all around. And it's looking. It is seeking. It is observing. And when the cherubs lifted up, up their wings to mount up upon the face, up from the earth, the same wheels also turned not from beside them. The wheels and the wings of the cherubs, all the move is in a harmonious impulse in straight line. So straight line means the what the first cherub does, the second cherub does. As the second cherub does, the third cherub does. As the third, third cherub does, so the fourth cherub does. It's a directional. Meaning what? Meaning that there's a, there is a unity. There is an eye that reveals. So when there is confusion, when there is lack of observing the perfect will of God, then Satan simply just disrupts us. And they, somebody get that phone for me and throw it aside. Okay, please. Okay. So let's go into verse 18, uh, verse 17. When they stood, they stood. When they were lifted up, they were lifted up themselves. And the spirit of the living creatures was in them. I want to read this because this is, this is what I've been trying to tell you out, out of this chapter 10. And when they stood, who stood? The cherubs. They were lifted up out of the temple, going toward the eastern gate, okay, in the sky. Four big old cherubs, 15 feet each one of them, in straight line. The glory of the Lord rumbling and moving, the colors of ember uh, <clears throat> and, and, and lightning just exploding. The, the, the light and the glory of the Lord is the last one to leave the temple because it's in the, it's in the outer court. So after all the movement of the cherubs inside, the outer court, the, the, the brightness that I referred to you earlier, is leading the way. So it's, it's, it's a powerful display of the glory of the Lord. And when they stood, they stood. And when they were lifted up, these lifted up themselves also. For the spirit of the living creature was in them. The spirit of the living creature was in them means the Holy Spirit of God is leading the whole thing. And the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubs. So let's take a look. It comes out of the cherub. It does all that movement into, into the temple. All the way to the threshold. And then simply departs out of the threshold and finds the cherubs again. So what does it mean? It means that the glory of the Lord, all that tender, that glory, has nowhere to go 
but back to the holy. See, it is a very sad thing because when a, a church departs from the perfect will of God, there is a sadness in the environment. You can smell dead furniture. The bathroom has an odor in it. And I tell you, as a 50-year-old evangelist, I've been to those bathrooms. They stink. I don't care what you can do to clean them. They still stink. There's no unity. There's no power. There's no direction. There's no purpose. There's no fruit. Two people pay the budget because nobody else can pay. That's when the glory of the Lord leaves. So is the Holy Spirit in the temple in Jerusalem doing what... Uh, remember uh, Phineas, Phineas uh, uh, in 1 Samuel 4.21? She named the child Ichabob, saying, The glory of the Lord departed from Israel. And we're talking about how does it feel. Now, the opposite of that is when God is leading. We had a trip to Brazil... Uh, this last month, and we were uh, overwhelmed by the glory of God. It was, it was, it was, it was just all awesome what we saw. I'll never forget. Out of uh, 250 trips that is stood alone, it is the mother of all trips. I never experienced what I experienced during that trip. I began to sing again. My voice reached all the notes of the songs that I recorded 20 years ago. And people just poured at the altar. You know, an old man singing old songs and the altar is cracking and pouring out full of people. So what I'm saying to you, now I want to tell you something else. If you look at what's happening out of that trip, there's at least 20 invitations from all over Brazil. We're going to Timbuktu, Peru. And the glory of the Lord in that little place will shake the whole region. Just like in Brazil, it shook the whole country. It's all over the place. I had a call yesterday from a, from a pastor who told me, uh, I'm getting a call a day about you possibly coming to our area. Now, what, what they want, a short evangelist that is getting old and can't handle the job sometimes, uh, 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 80 years old, close to 80 years old, not a preacher. It's the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is ahead of us. And that's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. You follow the wrong thing and, and there's no fruit out of it. So, let me finish this on chapter 10, verse 19. And the cherubs lift up their wings and mount up from the earth in my sight. When when they went out, the wheels also were beside them, and everyone stood at the door of the eastern gate of the Lord's house. I told you about the eastern gate. Well, this confirms that the glory of the Lord then lift up on top of the cherub. Now, where did the glory stay, remain? On the cherubs, yes. Now, over the cherubs, on the side of the cherubs, under the cherubs, where? Look at verse 18. And I'll read it again. And the glory of the Lord departed off the threshold of the house, the big, big, big door, and stood over the cherubs. 
Uh, is, that, is that important to do that? Well, if you are resting on holiness, you're saved. If you confess your sins to God and ask Him to forgive your sins, you're saved. If you are following the will of God for perfect will of God for your life, you're saved. But if you're trying to do your thing, you're not saved. You're going to suffer. And what's happening in North Georgia is that a lot of these churches, almost 500 of them, are doing their own thing. They're believing the leadership to be telling the truth and the biblical truth. And there's a lot in there they're not telling you. And so as the, as the glory comes out, it stood over because it rested on the cherubs. So now you begin to like the cherubs because it could take the glory of the Lord without any problem. You see, more holiness, more direction, more holiness, more purpose, more holiness. And what do you mean, what is the type of holiness that I'm talking about? Those who practice righteousness are righteous. When we take communion, forgive our sins, and we practice what we believe in, live that type of thing, and, and, and seek the will of God and the will of God and the eyes of God and the direction of the, of the cherubs, then, then God honors us. And this is where we are specifically today at RBM. We're trying to figure out, God, what you want to do with this. Okay, now. And the glory of the Lord of Israel was, was over them above. So that the place of departure of the glory of the Lord is also its return. Because as you, as you, as you follow east, okay, and go up the Mount of Olives, you have to go over the top of the place where the ascension took place. And so, that describes the place of departure of the glory of the Lord is also of its return, as described in 43.4. So we need to get down there later on some other time. But, but, uh, but Ezekiel 43, 4 simply tells that the glory of the Lord ascended into heaven at the right place where Jesus also ascended and will ascend into heaven in the future. In His return. In His return. Ascension in His return. As described in 43, 43, 4. Which has not yet happened, but most surely will when the temple is restored after the second coming of Christ. What I've been trying to do over this teaching is to share with you that if there's a pain in being a Christian, it's to follow the perfect will of God. You know, a pastor in Brazil decided to assume a church because the salary was better. He assumed the church. And since he assumed the church, the glory of the Lord left him. And there's Kandamble, Makuba, Yubanda around him in the city of Sabado, Bahia. And there's no peace in the life of that man because the demons now rule over him. Big mistake. Big mistake. Big mistake. And so... Let's go into verse 20, and I have uh, until 22, and then we have a prayer. I hope that you are being ministered to <coughs> on this <coughs> as we go. This is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel. 
by the river Shebar, and I knew that they were the cherubs. So no, so Ezekiel saw the vision, and he's saying, <clears throat> I, I saw in my vision these, these big creatures. When I came over the river Shebar, in the spirit realm, remember, uh, in, in chap, chapter, Ezekiel chapter, uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 12, the spirit of the Lord took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of great rushing, saying, Bless me the glory of the Lord. He's referring to the first vision as God took Ezekiel over the, the captives in the river Shebar. So these are the same living creatures that I saw in my vision over there in chapter 3. I'm on chapter 10 now, but on chapter 3, I saw them. And then the, the thing that, uh, that I want to keep your mind connected to, that the cherubs are part of the throne in the presence of God and the holies of God. I want you to connect the four Four creatures in the way they are, the way they move, the way they with the Lord. Uh, Revelations four six. It's an interesting. But John, let's go to Revelation four six to eleven. And uh, all right, Revelation six, Revelation four. I'm sorry, four. Verse 6. And before the throne there was a, a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne, and run about the throne, were four beasts, the living creatures, the cherubs, full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast, or the living creature, was like a lion. The second beast was like a calf. The third beast was like the face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Just the face of it. And the four beasts, the living creatures, had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within. And the rest, not today, and, 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 and they rest not, not a day, not a night. Constantly speaking glory, hallelujah. Saying, holy, 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 holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Now that's the first time that I noticed that each 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 one of the cherubs had six wings each. Of course, in 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 the first Daniel vision, it was just four wings. But now this now these living creatures here are in the revelation of John, the apostle John, in the Isle of Pathoms, uh, and the one who took over ministry to Paul. We're going into the seven churches of Revelation. One of the main reasons why is because John had this vision. Uh, 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 of the living creatures that match what Ezekiel saw. Now, if you go into if you go into the book of of Revelations, okay, it was written about eight ninety six years after Christ. All right, by John, ninety six years after Christ. All right, and if you go into Ezekiel, you're talking about uh, five ninety five before Christ. So you're talking about close to uh, 700 years later. So Ezekiel had a vision 600 years before Christ. And John in the Isle of Patmos, 600 years after, had the same vision. In the same vision. So that validates these creatures that we've been talking about. And let's finish up and read it. Uh, how about verse 22 and you'll close, okay? 
In the likeness of their faces was the same faces which I saw by the river Shebar. Their appearance in themselves, they, they, they went everyone straight forward. They went everyone straight for the Father of lights. There is no, no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Shadow of turning, straight line, clear direction, clear purpose, clear implement of the will of God. I hope that this will help you to, to, uh, to understand chapter 10. And uh, perhaps tomorrow, if the Lord allow us to do this, we'll, we'll begin, we'll begin uh, uh, chapter, chapter 11 of Ezekiel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, that you give us direction as to what to do. You know, God, that uh, we're uh, at a place to where we don't know what to do. So we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, God, that you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.